Willis Welcome to the Fade Route. With DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. Welcome to the Fade Route with DNZ. I am D. And we got a great show for you tonight. We're going to go back over Black Monday. We're going to preview the NFL weekend upon us, all the playoff games. And the Yankees make an interesting hire. We're going to begin today's show discussing the very last game of the NFL regular season. The Chargers and the Raiders met in a finale that had interesting weight. The winner would get entry into the playoffs and the loser would go home. However, if they tied, both teams would have gotten in. Of course, the game went into overtime. Thanks to a timeout by the Chargers, the Raiders moved the position to kick a game-winning field goal. With the Raiders set to meet the Bengals on Saturday, Z, I have to ask you, are the Raiders poised to be the 2021 Cinderella story? Well, first and Good to be back, as always. The fade. And honestly, I don't know. Like, because they're going up against the Cincinnati Bengals. You can argue that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be a Cinderella story. I mean, they went from the dregs of the division, the bottom of the bottom, being the worst of the worst, the punchline of jokes. And now... Like, they're the next big thing, you know? They're the hot team right now. But, I mean, you mentioned it during the production meeting, how high the Raiders jumped. That was very surprising, for sure. Like, they, they Shocked jumped me. it. How, they jumped how, how are they? the Patriots. How are they, they the Patriots? What the hell is going on? Who's putting this show together? I don't know, but they are right now. They're 10-7. and seven. Rich Bisaccia definitely deserves. Hey, hey. He definitely his candidacy for coach of the year. But I mean, they can if they're in the tournament, they can do as much damage as anybody because the Raiders have they have the quarterback, Derek Carr. You're looking at 186, two touchdowns, solid unspectacular but got the job done they have the kicker which is critical in come playoff time daniel carlson is one of the best say he's the second best behind justin tucker maybe you could put harrison butker in that conversation but he was slipping and sliding all over the place and he looked like a horse's ass so i mean carlson's up there towards the top in terms of kickers um, Josh Jacobs had a heck of a game. If they can get, if they can figure out the running game, the danger, the rain, the the Raiders can be a dangerous out. But let's first inf- go back to Brandon Staley's decision to for that timeout. <laughs> I told you. 
in the production meeting. Did I not tell you? I told you he was going to do something stupid. I didn't think it was possible. (laughs) He sunk to a new low. Dude, all you had to do was let the fucking clock run out. (laughs) And you're both in the play. All you had to do. (laughs) And you couldn't do that right. Brandon Staley, are you kidding me? That is comically bad. That is like you should you should be coaching the Lions bad. Come I on. Think, I think Versace actually said he's like, yeah, we were all set to go into over. We were all set to tie, and then they called a timeout. We kind of looked at each other and be like, all right, sure, all right, we're right. another play. <laughs> so you you gift wrapped it. You're like, no thanks, I don't want this. Maybe next year. It seemed like like it seemed like an episode of The Simpsons, right? It's like he runs over Coach Steely. We are uh, looks like we're going to be tying with the Raiders, and we're going to go into the playoffs with them. Ah, call a timeout. Let's see what happens. Sir, you oh, sure? No. Yes, timeout. Timeout. <laughs> they'll they'll never expect that one. Oh my goodness! But in terms of like the overall playoffs, like the Ra- the Raiders are a dangerous out. The Bengals will be a dangerous out. Um, they, I wouldn't really call them a Cinderella. They, they definitely they belong there. They had a hell of a turnaround after they got rid of John Gruden. And, you know, I could definitely see them, especially if Joe Burrow is not healthy. That's something we need to take into account because if that knee is really bad, then you got to start Brandon Allen, I believe, is their backup. And at that point, the Raiders have this one in Go mix in every goddamn play if you want to. It's not going to matter. <laughs> it will not matter. If you don't have your quarterback, you're not going to win. So I can see it happening. Well, it's a certainty. It's a metaphysical certitude if Joe Burrow cannot play. But uh, what say you? What do you think? Well, before I break into the who I think the Cinderella story is, first of all, I mean – What's up with the scheduling of this of the playoffs this weekend? <laughs> I mean, really, guys, is we're going with we're going with Kansas City <laughs> against Pittsburgh on Sunday night in prime time. Didn't we see this shit already? Like, why why would that be the prime time game on Sunday? And then we have New England in Buffalo on Saturday night. Did we not mm-hmm. learn from the first time not to schedule games at night in Buffalo? Like, who wants to see this trash? And they want to be all like, it's going to be the coldest game ever. I don't want to see the coldest game ever. I want to see a good game. Like, Dallas and San Francisco should be the Sunday night game. Arizona and L.A. should be the Saturday night game. Have the cold weather teams play during the day. I want to see a fair game. I don't want to see trash. Yeah, honestly, if you're go- if you're looking at this, then you would make the Monday night game eagles Bucks. But they- Right! And no one gives a shit. We know who's going to win the game. Right? Even with Cincinnati. Listen, I was kind of shitting on the Vegas-Cincinnati game, but that's going to actually probably be a good game. So you don't you, – you do you could even make them prime time on Saturday night if you really wanted to. But come on. Like, what are we doing? And how are the Raiders ahead of the, the Patriots in seeding? Like, what are you talking about right now? Ugh. Get me fired up. Okay, well, I kind of agree with you. I don't think that they are, the the Raiders are the Cinderella story. I think what could happen is Pittsburgh 
could become the Cinderella story, right? Mm. You, you know, you, you first of all, you needed the Jags to beat the Colts in the last game of the season. Nobody, nobody had that. Okay, that happened, right? Then you had the Raiders and the Chargers go into overtime and pretty much become a staley away from tying. And they don't. The, 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 the Raiders wind up winning. You're in. Okay, now you got to go to Kansas City to play the Chiefs, which you played them earlier this year and they crushed you, right? You, everyone's printing up pamphlets saying, come to Ben Roethlisberger retirement ceremony this weekend. That's <laughs> awful. awful. Retirement party this weekend. Awful. But the stage for this, right? And this is what happens is right now, you get into a situation, Pittsburgh beats Kansas City, then you're off to you're off to face Tennessee, who you could beat. You know, so I think that the, the stage is set for Pittsburgh to be the Cinderella story, but I doubt it would happen. I mean, anything is possible, I suppose. I mean, think about the Chiefs defense. In a COVID world, in a COVID world, anything is possible. <laughs> No, exactly. That's the other thing that we need to take into account. Like, we're assuming that all of these teams will have their full complement of players. Right. So, in, like, in, like you just said, in a COVID world, you could have a whole unit just completely wiped out. We saw that with the Broncos last year, to where they had to start a wide receiver at quarterback. Granted, it wasn't the playoffs, but still. One close contact can wipe out an entire position group. Not to mention, Travis Kelsey was hobbling after the game. Tyreek Hill was hobbling because, you know, I'm going to get on my soapbox. You were talking about that. Tyreek Hill, why are you practicing circus catches before the game? And you got hurt. You got limited because... You decided you wanted to practice acting like a clown. Just catch the damn ball. That's what warm-ups are for. For you to get warmed up. Not to show off. Show off when the pads and the jersey are on. But that's neither here nor there. So, the Chiefs are wounded. To, to your point, I think it's possible. They definitely... The, the Steelers definitely could, you know, punch the team in the mouth. They absolutely can. That's the identity of the the Pittsburgh Steelers under Mike Tomlin. They will punch you in the mouth, and they'll make you play a physical brand of football. I don't know if they'll be able to hang with the Chiefs for a full four quarters, but T.J. Watt would definitely get his on Patrick Mahomes. I completely agree with that one. Another, you know, another sneaky Cinderella team, the Niners. Like, who would have thought the Niners would be where they are right now? I mean, look if you look at the NFC West, you have three teams. We know that division's loaded, but I didn't, in a million years, I didn't think we'd have three teams in from that division, much less the Niners. And they run the ball. They play very stout defense. My concern, as always, with that team is Jimmy Garoppolo. Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to hold up? He Some of those passes the other night against the Rams, they were a little wobbly. They were a little 
wounded ducky, can he can he last an entire game? And if he can't, you now are putting all of this pressure on Trey Lance. Is Trey Lance ready? Not even capable. I just want to know if he's actually ready to get out on the field in the playoffs and make it happen. Regular season garbage time is one thing, but to have the pressure ratcheted up against quote-unquote America's team, that's something entirely different. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto. We really care about what's under your hood. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that. So, like, the 49ers, they beat the Rams on Sunday to punch their ticket to the NFL postseason. The Rams were up 17-0 in the first half and managed to lose 27-24. Jimmy G remains undefeated against the Rams. Sean McVay lost his first game after having a lead at halftime. Something like 47 or 49-0, and 0, something crazy like that. Uh. Did this game say more about the 49ers or the Rams? I'm going to say that it showed you the grit and the determination of the 49ers, but we definitely need to tip our cap to Mr. Matthew Stafford. Matthew <laughs> Stafford pulled a Philip Rivers, right? Whenever Philip Rivers is in position to get his team to win, especially against a good team, we saw it many a time against the Patriots. We saw it many a time against the Colts. He did just enough to get you beat. And this is the really, let's be real here. This is the first time there's any real expectation on Matthew Stafford. You could say that with Detroit, when they had Calvin Johnson and when they were, they kind of had a little bit of something, there was no real expectation. This Rams team is built for the Super Bowl. They were built specifically to get there. And... As usual with Matthew Stafford, you can set your watch by his failure. That pick, I was sitting on the couch with my girl. I turned to her and I said, now is the time for the gut-wrenching pick. And literally, two plays later, you had the gut-wrenching pick and the game was over. But to me, it showed as much about the Niners as it did about the Rams because Garoppolo again gutting through that thumb injury like I can't tell you what it must feel like because you know like I have the full range and usage of so I can't tell you what it's like to have to grip it in such a way that you're not worrying about your your uh, UCL or your tendon sheath or whatever the hell is wrong with Jimmy G's thumb but you know this week it could be something entirely different next week, but that's just, that's Jimmy for you. I mean, Ayuk showed up, six for 107. Elijah Mitchell showed up. They're running game plays, and the defense is there. I'm telling you, like, this team, with a healthy quarterback, they will be a tough out. And if I'm the Rams, I got to be a little bit worried because, like, my team is vulnerable. And they're playing the Cardinals this weekend. The Cardinals, who have beaten them this year. 
So, I, it, it, shoots, it shoots some holes in the Rams. It probably takes them down a notch in terms of confidence, especially Mr. Genius, Mr. Chunky Soup. You know, so to me, there's a little from column A, a little from column B, but tipping more in the, the favor of praising the Niners than burying the Rams. Yeah, uh, I've actually torn a ligament in my thumb before, and it's extremely painful. Um, and it's it's hard to to really grip things um, for a long period of time. Um, for me, the game told me a lot, like you said, about the 49ers. I mean, I know what Matthew Stafford is. I've known what Matthew Stafford is for like five <laughs> years now. We know what he is. He's gonna give it to you. He's gonna give it to you. He's gonna he's gonna come on that Detroit Lions Matthew Stafford at any point in time. It's clear that that wasn't just like a Detroit problem. That was like wherever I go, I'm gonna do stupid shit. <laughs> um, that train's never late. Yeah, and let's be real. Jimmy G came back and delivered with an injured finger. He came back and delivered, and the 49ers have talent. They have talent at every position. Now, Jimmy has half a thumb, but we know now that they're capable of coming back if they're down and holding a team down. I mean, the Rams only managed to score one more touchdown in that second half. That's impressive. And they got production from players you weren't expecting them to get production from, like Jaquan Jennings. Um, they're, they're loaded, and I think they could pose a problem to whatever team they face. Now, it is a little bit surprising that they've only been in the playoffs two times in the last five years, and I think we all kind of wrote them off, but this is not a team that you really want to face. They seem balanced on defense, and, I mean, Debo Samuel, I think, led the league in rushing touchdowns. I think he set the record for rushing touchdowns at the receiver position this year, and, you know, he can come at it anywhere. So... Um, but I think it's going to be, they're going to need Jimmy G to lead them. I don't think it's something Trey Lance could do. No, I'm in total agreement on that. But kudos to Kyle Shanahan. You know? Uh, Kyle, don't do that. Uh, uh, well, I, uh, I, know, don't you, do I that. know you're not a fan of Kyle Shanahan. Don't but you know what? Compared don't to Sean McVay, Kyle <laughs> Shanahan is the goods. You know? He is able to adjust his game plan. Sean McVay knows one way to coach. And if it's not working, you get your ass. Super Bowl against the the Patriots. So, to me, that's just the way Sean McVay kind of runs his system. But Kyle Shanahan has been able to adapt. I know we mentioned that, you know, this team seems a little out of nowhere, but the last two seasons were so ravaged by injury that, you know, you almost forgot that this team was in a Super Bowl. (laughs) <laughs> this 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 team had a lead in the Super Bowl. So, you know, they are as capable as anybody. And I think that is a testament to the coaching as well as the players. And like you, um, I am I, I be- really believe that they're they're going to be a, a tough out for sure. Looking to break into broadcast media, web development, social media marketing, or filmmaking? Then CSB is the program for you. 
From day one, you'll be trained hands-on by industry pros like friend of the show Rob Adams, whose goal is to get you trained and get you working in months, not years. CSB offers 8 and 16 week programs in small class sizes designed to give you the personalized attention you need. If you can make it in person, there are five East Coast locations. If you can't, they offer virtual classes too. How great is that? And once you graduate, you become part of the alumni network that gets you to the front of the line. Trust me, I'm an alum myself. Go to GoCSB.com today, request more info, set up a studio tour, and who knows, you may very well be on your way to a career in broadcast media. That's GoCSB.com and tell them Z sent you. GoCSB.com. But speaking of coaching, Black Monday came and went, and it reaped the souls of a lot of coaches and two GMs, including Brian Flores of the Dolphins, Mike Zimmer of the Vikings, finally Joe Judge with the Giants, at all. Among these firings, did you feel that they were deserved, or were some of them surprising to you? You know, everyone was saying that they were surprised by the Brian, the Brian Flores firing. I wasn't surprised at all. The team underperformed. They were supposed to compete for the division title this year. They had two winning seasons. They they had their quarterback Tua. They had Jalen Waddle. They had they they had their defense, a defensive minded coach, and and they they were terrible. I get that they rallied towards the end of the season. And they never gave on their coach. And that's something to be admired. That's really great. But ultimately, they missed the playoffs. They, they, didn't, they didn't do enough for him to warrant to come back. And he'll get another job. I actually think the Bears job would be a good fit for him. Even the Giants job, he's a, he's a New York guy. So I think he'll be fine. The one that really bothered me was the Rick Spielman firing. That was surprising. The GM of the Vikings, I felt like he built a good team. Like that defense is a good defense. He drafted Justin Jefferson. He drafted Delvin Cook. He went and got Kirk Cousins. Uh, I just, I, I mean, Zimmer sucked. You know, Zimmer was the problem there, <laughs> right? I'm actually get Brian Flores on that team, right? To me, I think the Vikings job is is the best job. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, you it's know, the most I've been down. Made. I would agree with you on that. It is the most ready-made turnkey of the bunch. Yeah, I mean, I've been down on Zimmer since he talked shit about Case Keenum back in the day. So I was I was really ready for him to go since like four or five years ago. But I do think the Vikings is the best job opening because that team is pretty much ready. And you're going to have Aaron Rodgers probably leaving that division, which should open the door for you. Um, as far as well-deserved, I mean... Gettleman didn't get fired, right? He retired, but I think Gettleman and Judge were at the top of my list that guys just had to go, um, followed by Nagy and Pace. I mean, and it's wild because Nagy actually finished with a, with an above 500 record, but I mean, there were just, there's, there's a lot of talent in Chicago and it just didn't play out at all. Um, that offense is, is awful. I'm he's like he looked like Adam Gase this year I mean it was just that bad um I think someone comes into Chicago and they they draft an old line and they get a coach that knows how to coach a high school offense they should be okay (laughs) well you know it's it's definitely the writing was on the wall for Chicago 
for the past two seasons. Like we've been in, we've been, you know, since we've been on the air, we've kind of been on Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace for some of the stupid things that they have done, and for the mediocrity that they have put out there. So I'm not surprised at all by Nagy and Pace going. I'm not surprised by Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio is fucking awful. And I feel bad for the guy because he was such a, he was a lifer, you know? And it's going to be the same thing for David Culley in Houston because he's on, they're still on the fence about whether or not they're going to keep him. And he's been such a lifetime NFL guy that, you know, it'll, he's never going to get another head coaching job again. And that's really disappointing. But, uh, I mean, all of these guys, there was cause. There was definite cause to fire them. Zimmer has been mediocre for years, like you said. Daryl Bevel, he's moving on because Urban Meyer, you know, he shit the bed. And Shad Khan just, you know, doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He went for the sexy hire and ultimately that blew up in his face because guess what? College coaches usually don't do well in the NFL. Joe Judge and Gettleman. I mean, Judge sealed his fate with that 11-minute tirade about how it's no clown show organization. And then they went and uh, shit the bed against the Washington <laughs> football team. Just just for the, the lack of a better term. The quarterback sneak. What are you doing? We're on our own. It was on like the four yard line. Yeah, we're on our own side of the field. What are you doing? It's second and nine. What are you doing? I get Jake Fromm is not a professional quarterback. I understand that. But you know what? You got to do better than that. And Freddie Kitchens, if that was your call, then good thing you're not coming back to the Giants next year. In terms of ranking these jobs... I'm with you. I think Minnesota is definitely yeah. up there. Yeah. Um, Chicago is definitely more ready-made for yeah. sure. And then I got to say Miami's number three. I mean, yeah. you, do, you have a good solid core of players. I mean, you didn't need to kill Tua Tonga by lowest confidence with the Deshaun Watson shit. And they're going to revisit that. I don't believe Stephen Ross for a second when he says that he's not going to revisit the Watson trade or bringing Jim Harbaugh down from the University of Michigan, particularly if the University of Michigan decides, decides they want to move on from Jim Harbaugh. Well, it, I it, think it's, all I, one, it's, it's one thing if he goes and poaches Harbaugh. It's another, thing to get, it's another thing altogether if Harbaugh suddenly becomes available. I do think that was the main reason why Flores was fired. I, I think there was a disagreement on Tua's future. That's mm. what I really... Because you didn't fire him based off of... I don't. I personally don't think they fired him because they missed the playoffs and they had a losing season. Because they the team did rally behind him at the end. I mean, it's useless. But, you know, that's the kind of guy you get behind. Like, it happened to Harbaugh a couple of years ago with the Ravens, where they they rallied and they made the playoffs. And I think that was Lamar Jackson's first year as mm-hmm. a starter, where, you know, he, he came in for Joe Flacco. And it's like, oh, we're doing good. You know, it's like they rallied and, you know, they made some noise. But 
I think there was a disagreement. I think Flores was like, yeah, this guy can't play quarterback. Uh, let's either draft a guy or trade for Watson. And I think Ross is kind of like, no, I kind of want to keep Tua. And I think that's, I think that's where it is. That's just my, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I, well, I mean, if, if from an owner's standpoint, I have a relatively cheap rookie contract or I have Deshaun Watson. I'd, yeah. pro- I'd probably want to save some money too on the on the back end of that. But um, as far as the Jim Harbaugh thing, do you see him coming out of Michigan for any of these jobs? Not really. Minnesota, Minnesota would definitely be attractive. He was drafted by the Bears. And a Michigan man owns the Dolphins. Yeah, I don't I don't see him leaving Michigan. I I could be wrong. I don't I don't see why he's gonna go to the pro back to the pros. He left the pros for a reason. I don't think his style fits a pros and I understand the 49ers were good and they got to the Super Bowl but his coaching style wears on people and it rubs people the wrong way and I don't think I don't think he I don't think he could well, I don't think it would work again in the NFL to you know a positive outcome and Fangio will get another D coordinator job shit he might go back to the Bears right mm-hmm. um, and then uh, but Denver to me would probably be the least appealing job because Worse than the Giants? Yeah, because of the ownership there. I heard John Elway's are not really easy to work with, and they don't have a quarterback. Like, they don't. They're the only team in that division that doesn't have a quarterback right now. Like, everybody else has their quarterback. I mean, unless the guy's going to come in and say, hey, I can make Drew Locke, you know, a good player. But they're, they're, they're in the quarterback camp. They're going to have to either draft a quarterback or trade for a quarterback. Probably trade for Watson, right? Um, the Giants, Watson, uh, I mean, Watson or Rodgers. I mean, the I thing still about close the, the book on the Rodgers thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he. That's another one. He could totally go to Denver. Um, the the thing with the Giants is it's it's the New York Giants. Like it's like the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees. Like it's it's one of the top organizations in football. Yeah, they've had a you know pretty bad five years, but they've also won two Super Bowls in the last twenty years. I mean. The, you know, it's and you have the opportunity, I think, to go in there to talk with management and be like, "Yeah, we got to burn this down. <laughs> we got to burn it down." When the last two head coaches over. are nineteen and forty-six, you have no choice but to burn it down. And, but also look at the guys they they brought in to coach. That's the other problem I have. You know, they, these weren't good fits. These weren't good hires. You don't want to go get Patriots coaches, even though I say Flores would be a good fit for the Giants. He established his style in Miami, and it was, to me, it was somewhat working. But for Joe Judge, he would he would say one thing and then go out there and do another thing. Like there was no accountability on that team. And he didn't seem like he knew what the hell he was doing. It's like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah, I mean, we hear about workout warriors all the time in the combine. He was an interview warrior. Like, he was so coached up in terms of how to get the job that once he got the job, he was like, shit, now what? You know? Well, the other part, you know, I like we talked about in the last couple of weeks, I'll give him even the benefit of the doubt, too. I mean, the team was hurt. I mean, yeah. the team was hurt, and Saquon was not there. Jones, Jones doesn't know what he's doing. Galladay was awful. Like he had nobody to throw to. They they couldn't do it. Blake Martinez went down in the first couple of games. Like they had nothing, nothing to hang their hat on. So 
Galladay, yeah, yeah, I, ha- Galladay had what we like to call a Michael Thomas. Wow. No wow. TDs. Wow. Zero. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, horrible. Horrible. Oh. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. But you know what wasn't horrible? The national championship game. It started out a little slow. It started out the battle of field goals. But Georgia took down the Alabama Crimson Tide 33-18 to claim their national championship. What are your takeaways from the game? I disagree with you. I thought the game was awful. I thought the game was awful. Was, was terrible. Like, my immediate reaction was, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> I saw this already. I saw it. Not only did I see it a couple of weeks ago, I saw it two years ago. Or three years ago in 2018. Like, I didn't want to see it again. Like, I, I, I felt like this was the result. Again, I felt like the results of this game were based on the amount of time that lapsed, like I spoke about earlier, uh, like I spoke about last week. It's like, you know, the last time they played Alabama was at the was at the beginning of December. Uh, Georgia played Alabama in the beginning of December in the SEC championship, and Alabama waxed them. Now, we're, what, six weeks later, right? Yeah, we're like, we're almost six weeks later. Yeah. Now... I mean, you're going to get both programs at the top of their game. I'm ready for you. And this was the result. You, you have Alabama's got a freshman quarterback, a freshman running back. like, And and, and at the end of the day, nothing was settled. We, we learned nothing from the result of this game. It's like, okay, so Alabama walks away as the SEC champion. Georgia works away as the national championship. And they're both one-on-one against each other this year. So what, what, what really got accomplished? And from what I understand, this was only the first time Al- uh, first time Georgia beat Alabama in the last seven times they played them. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> like, so we're, we're six away from this actually meaning something. Uh, and then, and then what? We, you got, you got a, like I said, you got a young quarterback. Bryce Young is a, is, is a, is a freshman. And the game was close all the way really until the end, until he threw the pick six. I mean, it was a game. They were in it. I mean, Georgia's defense was dominating, but they were in the game. So we see Nick Saban is one of the best college coaches of all time. Kirby is a Nick disciple who will never coach at the pro level. I mean, hopefully we just don't ever have to see this again. I don't want to see them play anymore. I don't want to see them play in a national championship game. I don't want to see them play in the SEC championship game. I don't want to see Georgia and Alabama ever again. I'm done with it. I got a feeling you're going to be seeing it for the foreseeable future. 
just because these are the powerhouses of the SEC, and the SEC is what moves the needle in college football. So unless Oklahoma and Texas come in and That's they – as Right, unless they establish their dominance. But that no. ain't happening. They, so, they can't even dominate their own division. They're going to come in the SEC and dominate there. No, but you can <laughs> hope – you can hope for um, a resurgence in Florida, right? You could hope for an LSU resurgence. These things are possible. Because um, I don't think George is here to stay. I think Alabama is here to stay, but I don't think George is. I'm not sold on LSU. I know you mentioned LSU. Like, as long as Brian Kelly's there, they're just kind of hovering. I mean, look what he did in Notre Dame. Notre Dame just <laughs> kind of was like a program that was there, you know? Yeah. It, it yeah. went from, you know... It's the friggin' Notre Dame Fighting Irish to... Yeah, they're here too. That's lovely. But, um, I mean, a resurgent Michigan would definitely be helpful. Hey, how about anybody from the Pac-12? No. Anybody. Lincoln Riley. Well, I'm looking USC. at you at USC. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. I mean, the tides are going to turn. I mean, it just happens. Everyone likes to be Debbie Downer about it and say, Oh, you know, the SEC is so dominant. It's just that this is the wave we're on, man. Like, I'm sure in four or five years... It's going to swing another direction. Clemson had a little bit of a run, right? Yep. They're not in the, they they had a 3-year run. They were in the national championship for like 3 years, right? Cuz uh, Lawrence won the first one and then lost the next two. So yeah, and that was ACC. And then what? Jimbo Fisher had Florida State in there with Winston at one point. So it, it's a wave. It's a wave and yeah, the SEC is always going to be prevalent. They're always going to be around, but other conferences will have their day. No, they definitely will. And uh, what they really need to do is make sure that they are out recruiting NFLU. You need to be able to speak to your program and really sell yourself on, yeah, we may not be NFLU, but you'll actually get a chance to play. You know, how many of these second and third string players on Alabama would be starting? Most of them would be starters on other teams throughout the country. But Alabama is just so laden with talent because of their ability to recruit on the cachet of we are NFLU that people will go there just to sit on the bench. I mean, I don't blame them because now they've been to multiple national championships. They have a na- we have one national championship ring. You have, you know, like, you didn't even have to do anything. That's fantastic. Will, it's like I, being Marty Brodeur's gold uh, backup. I will say this, though. I mean, I think this is the first time. Yeah, I'm going to say this. I think this was the first time Nick Saban went into the national championship game and he didn't have the best players on the field. I think Georgia actually had the more talented player. And this was probably the first time maybe ever that he lost with not the best players in his team. That is interesting. That is very interesting. But that's also, you know, let's give a little bit of credit where credit is due to Kirby Smart. No. Now, it, in the no, six I'm not week, giving him a, I'm not giving him any credit. Absolutely well, not. Here's, here's my little bit of credit that I'm giving him. That in the mean the between now and between then and now he completely revamped the way they practiced in order to become more physical in order to match up better with Alabama and the it showed in the playoff it showed in the game like they weren't being tossed around they weren't being beaten around by Alabama like teams normally are so there's something to be said about like 
we're not going to be afraid of these guys. We're going to go at them and we're going to do what we do. And ultimately they came out on top. So it's a, the same way we talked before about Sean McVay versus Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan is able to kind of scheme a little bit better and kind of be more flexible. Kirby smart saw that something didn't work. And rather than being the pig headed football coach, that's like the stereotype. He went back to the drawing board and he brought something new to the table. Another team that brought something new to the table was the Golden State Warriors this weekend. Finally, the long-awaited return of a Mr. Clay Thompson. How did you feel about his return, and was it everything you wanted it to be? I think it was 900... something like that. Like, that is... crazy. That is a ridiculous number of days that been without Clay Thompson. And in 20 minutes, I got to say, he didn't disappoint. You know, a little, I mean, defensively, he was a minus two. But I mean, that, that takes a little bit of time to get the rust off of. But he can shoot, he can roll out of bed his leg in the air, like in an air cast or on crutches, and he could get you, he can hit threes. And that's exactly what happened. He was three of eight from three, 17 points. Most importantly, the Warriors won. They're looking whole again. And they are going to definitely, you know, they are going to rely on him down the stretch. And it makes a dangerous team even more dangerous and they don't have Draymond Green right now once they get completely whole with Draymond there now all of a sudden you're starting to look like the Warriors of old and the Warriors of old can still play in the Western Conference and they can still take it to these other teams and I can definitely see them being a big-time contender coming out of the West. And, you know, it's absolutely within the realm of possibility that they can take him down. Anybody. Yeah, I was happy to see him. um, I was happy to see him throw it down. I mean, he cut to the basket a bunch of times and didn't go for the finger roll, didn't go for half the glass. Like, he threw it down. And I thought that was important. And that's what I wanted to see from Clay. I wanted to see that you're good. You're all better. You can you can do everything on the basketball court that you need to do. He didn't seem as spry as he was like three years ago, but hopefully, you know, he'll get back into that rhythm and he'll be the he'll be the Clay Thompson of old. But I thought it was interesting. I heard something from Steph a couple of days ago where he was saying that the Durant Warriors would beat the 96 Bulls in six games. So he's saying the team of Curry, Clay, Andre Iguodala, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green, which is the closeout unit for that team, would be able to beat Harper, Jordan, Pippen, Kukoc, and Rodman. Nah, I don't know about that, Steph. <laughs> well, my, well uh, my question to Steph is this. Which NBA are we playing in? Are we playing in today's NBA? Or are we playing in the NBA of the mid-90s? I don't think it matters. First of all, Rodman and Green aren't going to finish the series. 
they're gonna wind up, they're gonna wind up they're gonna wind up getting into a fight i mean that's that's just that's gonna happen right i would think pippen would check durant that i think i mean i think he could do it i think he would hold them under he'd hold them under 30 which would be which would be a great accomplishment in my opinion uh and then you're gonna have to put ai on jordan and ai can't guard nobody on this team could guard jordan you're not gonna put no. durant on jordan because durant's got to take pippen and then harper harper was a good defender like i'm not i'm not saying he's gonna lock down curry but he also had height i mean harper was six four six five and he actually he was doing six seven like he was a tall guard so uh you you're not gonna score over 100 points so i mean and I'm not just trying to be a homer because that's my generational team. I I just don't see it. I do think I do think Clay would get a little buck wild on them, but at the end of the day, Michael Jordan's not going to let them lose. And they no. don't have I don't think Jordan, I don't think the Curry team has a player like that that's not going to let them lose. Like you got players that are going to keep you in the game, certainly. But you don't got a guy out there that's not going to let you lose. Like, if I got to drop 50 tonight, I'm dropping 50. Like, that's that would have been Jordan's mentality, you know? And if you want to, like, if you want to think about this, right, in terms of, like, sniper shooters, as much as you have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, give me Steve Kerr and Tony Yeah. Pico's. Yeah. You, you, you want to talk about tearing a hole in the space-time continuum? Steve Kerr, the player, against Steve Kerr, the coach. Like, this is some yeah. Back to the Future Part 2 shit. Is your hair thinning or is your hairline receding? Scalp micropigmentation will fill in the areas where your hair is missing by creating a short buzz cut look. Micropigmentation is a non-invasive procedure that will create the illusion of hair follicles for seven to 10 years. For people with alopecia, this could be a permanent fix. For people with scars on their scalp, this is a great way to camouflage a scar. Don't lose confidence or feel like you need to wear a hat wherever you go. Marquez Studio is located in the Bronx and is open for all your scalp micropigmentation needs. Consultations are free and appointments can be made any day of the week. Get your hairline back with scalp micropigmentation. The techs at Marquez Studio have over 30 years of haircutting experience and can assist you with all of your questions. Call to schedule a consultation today, 646-221-8728. You can also visit them on Instagram at Bronx Marquez to see their gallery and view all their satisfied customers. Again, that is Marquez Studio, located in the Bronx, New York, 646-221-8728. interesting to see people talk about different eras in basketball um but you know you'll you'll never know it's up for it's up for debate uh but we are definitely heading into a new era in baseball as the new york yankees hire rachel balkovec to be their single a affiliate manager what does this hire mean for baseball well congratulations to Ms. Balkovic first and foremost um, former catcher at Creighton and New Mexico has experience as a strength and conditioning coach with the Cardinals and the Astros and then she's also been involved in driveline so driveline is very big with the Yankees they're the dad 
driven and the Yankees are all about analytics right now and it's as much about the performance science aspect of it of the analytics and the spin rate and the numericals you know the numerical data than anything else so it's just you know she's breaking down barriers just in the same way that Kim Ang did when she became the first female general manager with the Marlins so I'm all for this I'm I'm glad it's at the lower minor league level just because you have guys coming in from high school and from you know early you know early college so you're looking at anywhere between like 17 and 22 year olds you're not going into a clubhouse of like crusty veterans who might be chauvinist pigs and who may not you know think kindly to a woman managing them I mean you remember Carlos Tosca with the Blue Jays somewhat yeah well he never played he had never played in the big leagues and he never earned the respect of his players because he had never been there. Like we are that far removed from that kind of thought process and it is very refreshing that you know we are able to get there. And for someone who never played the game at in and that level, I think it's a huge achievement for her. And it is something that Major League Baseball might go, you know, more towards, especially when you take a look at other sports, right? Look at Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond was sitting on the bench, two chairs down from Greg Popovich, one of the most trusted members of his staff. And, you know, she proved herself and she proved her worth to the team. And she was one of the more respected coaches. So I think this is I think this is a great first step. And hopefully this leads to more of this, provided she's successful. I think that it's definitely going to, you know, it's definitely going to be something that people are going to be monitoring. And hopefully it doesn't become like a media circus. But in this organization, I think she will do just fine. Yeah, I really like her attitude. Uh, I really also like her journey. Uh, just proof that if you put in the time, work hard, you can accomplish anything. You know, I think at one point she said she only had like $14 in her bank account. And she had to borrow money from her parents just so she can get to spring training. Um, a lot of times she was, you know, she was... Uh, she, on her resume just so she could get teams to call her so instead of putting Rachel she put like Ray because it made it look like hey you know this this is a guy you know and she got a she got some really good opportunities and she made she made the most of them she spent time in Australia Louisiana Nebraska Dominican Republic and the Netherlands she's got a she's got a master's she's committed to creating a creating a competitive atmosphere and that is what you need in baseball because especially at the minor league level wins and losses don't really mean much I mean what matters is that you're getting better and you want to compete with other other players other people um, out of all the sports 
baseball could use a woman's touch, you know, because it's different mindset. I think I think baseball players have a different mindset than any other than any other profession, and they're likely to respond better um, to a woman voice or a woman perspective, especially when it comes to numbers. Especially when you're able to demonstrate to a player, hey, this is your your the ball you want to hit is middle in. It's not outside corner. Don't hit. And that's what he's going to give you. And if you can show that to a player, a professional, and explain it, I think they're more to get on board with that than if you were to, you know, kind of tell a football player, hey, you know, head for the sideline because you're not going to outrun anybody on this team. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do find it interesting, though, because I think if we go back one of the first uh, female coaches in the NFL was also a strength and conditioning coach. I think she was for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. So I think that is, it is an interesting parallel that that is the entry point in and then the branching out. Because she also, uh, Rachel Balkovic was also a hitting coach, which yep. is a really, you know, it's, it's one thing to be a strength and conditioning coach and, you know, you're able to use your human movement degree and your exercise science degree and apply that, you know, pretty universally. But to take something as nuanced as hitting and be able to teach that and translate that, I think that, you know, that's a sign of that sign of her capability in terms of knowing the game and teaching the game. And I think that some point, you know, over time, teaching the game of baseball needs to change because we are in a very murky spot right now because you went from the full-on kind of hit-it-where-they-ain't kind of style to see the ball, hit the ball, very, very non, you know, non-analytical to an over-reliance on analytics to where if my spin rate is less than this and you lost me already. So there needs to be some kind of, you know, there needs to be some kind of middle ground between the two. And I think that her experience at driveline and her experience internationally is going to kind of mesh well together. And I definitely see her moving up the ranks very quickly. Um, in the Bronx, I don't see why not. I mean, it's definitely, if she proves her worth in the minor leagues and shows that she is able to, you know, not only withstand the media, but also show the results, I think the New York Yankees might have, like, really stumbled onto a hidden gem. You can find The Fade Route on Facebook now. Check out our Facebook page, The Fade Route with DNZ. It's a one-stop shop for everything we do. Content, link to The Fade Store, all of our episodes, you name it, it is there. The Fade Route with DNZ on Facebook. (laughs) 
It's the end route where friends of the show get a special segment with us. Want to be part of the action? Want to be the newest member of the in crowd? You know what to do. Hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com or slide in those DMs on faderoutepodcast on IG or hit that Twitter, faderoutednz. us on the in route today we have jet fan and owner of sweet life catering chef tommy d chef tommy d thanks for coming on the show today what's up man hey what's going on thanks for having me it's a pleasure what's going on man hey what's going on hey all right so we're gonna we're gonna jump into this early uh unfortunately we mentioned your weakness during your introduction you are a jet fan the jets had a highly (laughs) the jets had a highly questionable season and off season this past year the New York media has painted a picture of progress for the franchise. As a Jet fan, what do you see? <laughs> um, so what I see is pretty much the Jets being the Jets. Um, they're doing, you know, the same old Jets doing the same old thing. And it, it starts with poor leadership. Um, you know, from the head office to the coaching staff, even in the players, you can see they're, I don't know, it just seems like their heart isn't always into it. Um, yeah, like, the, and especially the fact is that they're putting all their eggs in one basket, which is Zach Wilson. I mean, a rookie quarterback, kind of, he went to BYU, not a top, you know, selective college that's going to be like, you know, like, it's not like the Oklahoma Sooners where you you know you're getting somebody great. So, you know, for the fact is, you know, putting your eggs in one basket on that is not not the greatest thing. Right. And it's something that we talk about on the show all the time. He was a very surprising pick. And you're 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 asking for for a lot from a young kid who just he hasn't had that he hasn't had enough playing time at an elite level and he's coming from a smaller school where the competition wasn't, you know, stellar. So I mean after watching him play this season, after watching Coach Sala, which I know you're not a big fan of, is it too <laughs> early to cast either of them out? I know you're probably not going to agree with me on this, but I think it is too early. I mean, okay. coming from the fact is, you know, they're both rookie. You got you got a rookie head coach and you got a rookie starting quarterback. It's too hard to say one and done. You know what I mean? You got, you got to let them kind of progress. See, I would say give them another season, see what comes of it. I mean, it will it will it be great? Who's who's to tell? You know what Spoke, I mean? Spoken like a true Jet fan. <laughs> 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 Haven't learned your lesson yet. Um, I mean, through the ups and downs of this season, is there any? bright spot is there any shining light that you look at and say oh you know what we can hang our head on this i don't think we could head uh, you know hang our head on anything but there <laughs> are some bright stuff you know what i mean there are some bright stuff like the fact is the jets started 10 rookie players throughout the season um that's that's pretty big i mean having 10 you know it's almost a whole side of the football just starting rookies so hopefully they kind of develop um the fact is that we have over 60 million dollars in cap space 
So hopefully free agency can help us out. And last but not least, obviously the draft picks. I mean, we have nine, nine picks, four in the first two rounds. And, you know, obviously in the first round, we got the number four and we got the number 10. So hopefully we do something with those picks. We'll definitely see what happens there. We're going to get to that in a little bit more in depth in a second. But uh, we spoke about all the GMs and the coaches that were fired earlier in the show, from Nagy to Judge to Zimmer to you know, Daryl Bevel, who's filling in for Urban Meyer. Are there is there any coach or GM that you would like to have next season? To be honest, not really. Uh, all the all the all the coaches that are out there. They're pretty mediocre at best. Uh, most of them, I mean, yes, they have more season than Salah, but most of them are around 500 for their career. I don't think giving up on Salah is the best thing. I think we just, you know, stick with them and hopefully we just get better from there. So no uh, Jason Garrett understudy to Joe Judge oh. type thing just in case <laughs> he gets fired? All right, no, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> we said no. he was a Jet fan, not a Met fan. <laughs> and, hey, with the Mets, it only happened that one time. And you know what? Jerry Manuel ended up replacing Willie Randolph. So, you know, it, it's very ha- it's possible that it could happen. But speaking of possible, next year the Jets have two picks in the first round. You already documented it. So what do you want to see? Do you want to see them packaged and traded? Do you want them drafting? And if you see them drafting, who do you want? Who's your target? All right. So I believe we keep those draft picks. And I think we go for a Nick Mangold, you know, Kevin McGuire caliber center. Uh, we need somebody that can control this offensive line. We're, we're getting better and it showed this year. But we need somebody that's going to take control and and really harness everybody in and making sure that 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 unit is ran like an oil machine, you know. So I definitely want to see some with a center, even if it doesn't come from a pick, hopefully free agency. But I I'd rather a pick out of that and also uh, a cornerback because we need some coverage. We need a guy that, you know, I know we're never going to see a Revis ever again. That's not going to happen. But we need somebody that's going to stick it to somebody to the wide receiver, making sure they make plays, making sure we get turnovers. You know, we have a lack of turnovers on this team. Yeah, lack of I turnovers, mean, lack of playmakers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, there's a it's a dearth of skill, and it's definitely something that the Jets need to address. And uh, you know, we'll see what they do with that. But speaking from, we're going to turn from skill position to quarterback as we get at get you out here on this one will zach wilson finish the season as the jets starting qb next season and will they bring in a veteran backup okay um well it, it, it all falls down to this will zach wilson stay off of twitter talking about what he's gonna do and stick up <laughs> to the field and actually do what he says he's gonna do you know that depends on that uh I think, I you know, it's still too hard to tell he's a rookie. I hope he gets better. I had hope for Sam Darnold to get better. You know, he had some bright spots. So did uh, Zach Wilson. So hopefully 
he doesn't take that Donald or that Jets quarterback kind of aura and fall apart, I'm hoping he breaks the mold and he uh, he gets the job done. I mean, in all honesty, he's just trying to catch up to his mom's popularity on social media. So can you blame the guy? <laughs> you know, one thing I'm going to say about Zach Wilson, he, he holds on to the ball way too long. He always, and then every time he lets go of the ball, you can see him, you know, he's saying a prayer. He's like, I wish I may, I wish I might have this receiver <laughs> catch this ball tonight. And it's just <laughs> terrible. It's just terrible. But oh, again, and you know, I'm I'm a, still a Jets fan, so the hope is still in me, uh, and I hope he does good. Yeah, totally, totally. So we understand you have a catering business in Lower Hudson Valley. So feel free to to put some plugs out there and let people know how they can find you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I do catering right now. Our biggest venture, and it's starting to get a lot of popularity. We have we do gourmet brownies, which we. We package them and sell them, uh, ship them to your house. So, you know, you can check us out on www.sweetlifebrownieco.com. And, you know, you can place your orders right through there. And uh, you know, it's delicious brownies. The reviews are there. Everybody's loving them. So make sure you get your brownies today. Well, you know what we got today? We got a new member of the in-crowd, Chef Tommy D., Thank you for joining us, my man. Yo, and hopefully, we will talk to you soon. Yo, it was a pleasure. I'm, I'm glad I got to do this. You know, and thank you guys so much. Of course, man. Have a good one. And if you guys want to be featured as part of the in crowd, hit us up faderoutemail at gmail.com. Slide in those DMs at faderoutednz or faderoutepodcast on IG. And you may be the next member of the in crowd. Tommy D, thanks a lot, brother. Yes, sir. Pleasure. You can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstars, located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top-notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester pop stars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. The Fade Store presents the alleged superstar of the week award. All right, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It is time for the alleged superstar of the week. Here's how it works. We give you our nominees. We put up the poll on our Twitter account at FadeRouteDNZ, and you vote for the alleged superstar of the week, and they get to take home the ass. 
Who took home the ass last week, D? Do you know? Oh, I don't. It is Mr. Controversy himself. The guy who got banned from Australia, but apparently got <laughs> unbanned from Australia and might get re-banned from Australia. One, Mr. Novak Djokovic. He's a joker. He's the joker, all right. And... Yeah, it, it wasn't close either. But it's a new week. We have a new crop of nominees. What say you, D? First up, Coach Brandon Staley. You are my alleged superstar of the week. Ah, the game going into <laughs> overtime. The game's in overtime. You look like you're heading for a tie. You call timeout with 38 seconds in the game. Vegas coaches were very confused, so they decided to run the ball and get into field goal range and win the game. Coach Staley, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Number two, Carson Wentz, 17 for 29, 185 yards, one touchdown, one interception, six sacks. Mm. In a game you needed to win to get into the playoffs. You lose 26 to 11 to a team that only had two wins. This featured a game where the fans came dressed as clowns because they felt their team was a circus organization. This was a ticket for you to get into the playoffs and you shit on it. Carson Wentz, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last, and this guy seems to be a repeating offender on my list, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> after after Nasir Little dives after a loose ball and you fall on top of him, you tell him that that kind of play does not belong in our game? What game are you talking about, Kyrie? You just started playing basketball again. <laughs> Kyrie, just stop, man. Just stop, man. Just go out there and play basketball and go home. Stop talking about the way other people play the game. You don't want people talking about you. Don't talk about other people. Kyrie Irving, you are my alleged superstar of the week. What say you, Z? All good choices. All, I feel all of them have been on here before. There's something familiar about all of this. You definitely had, you definitely had Carson Wentz off of my list. I've been telling you about that guy. I've been telling you about that guy for a while. And I feel stupid saying that the Colts would win the division because that guy was the quarterback. I think so, I feel. I had them go to the Super Bowl. Exactly. Fool me once. It's not nice to fool people. <laughs> shame but, on. I don't know. <laughs> so shame, on, shame on Frank Reich. Oh, God. But you know who's laughing right now? The Eagles. The Eagles, the playoff-bound Eagles, are laughing their asses off at you, Carson. How do you like me now? Oh, Lord. I'm alleged superstar of the week. There are many. There are certainly deserving. We're going to start with Joe Judge. For your desperate attempt to hold on to power by wanting a say in the Giants' GM hire. With a 10-23 and 23 record, in what world did you earn that, bro? And not only did you not earn that, you earned a pink slip. So, Joe Judge, you are my alleged superstar of the week. 
Markeith Morris for taking to Twitter to call Nikola Jokic a 300-pound fat boy after he delivered the goods to you in retaliation for the flagrant two you gave him. Let's not forget that Markeith Morris is the one who started it. And yeah, he hasn't played since. But guess what? Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Markeith Morris, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, the Edmonton Oilers. For even considering signing ex-shark Evander Kane and all his baggage from the domestic abuse to faking the COVID card, all of it. Your team, but I guarantee you, Edmonton, that ain't it, Chief. That ain't it. Those are our nominees, ladies and gentlemen. Take to Twitter after the show airs. The poll will be up. And for all of our nominees... Just do better, boys. Just do better. Your favorite podcast has its own merch line now. Go to the Fade Store with DNZ.com today for all your Fade Route merch needs. I'm talking tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, like yoga pants, we got those too. Like some cool accessories, we got those too. And we're not done yet. We have so much more planned for you, but check out what we have today at the Fade Store with DNZ.com. That's the Fade Store with DNZ.com. Let's run the option and give you our picks for the week. All right, boys and girls, the option for the super wild card weekend. We are here. We are ready. The records are the records are scrubbed clean. We are both at zero and zero. As are these teams. We're starting Saturday, January 15th, 4.30 p.m. The 10-7 Las Vegas Raiders go into Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Who you got, D? Such bullshit. This should be the Saturday night game. Uh, I'm (laughs) taking the Bengals. This is going to be back and forth. It's definitely going to be, you know, it's it's going to be a, a slugfest. I can definitely see it going punch for punch. Neither coach has any playoff experience as a head coach. Fuck it. I'm going to take the Raiders. I think what little playoff experience Derek Carr has is going to be beneficial to him in this battle against Joe Burrow and the young Bengals. 8-15 Saturday night. The New England Patriots go into Buffalo and they take on the Bills. Bills. I'm going with the Bills as well. If it's a bad weather game, 
Like that it's gonna benefits be really the. Cold. Yeah. It's gonna be cold. Yeah, that's gonna I benefit the Bills. I, I, I was interested to see that Damian Harris actually finished as like the most efficient running back this year. He had like 15 rushing touchdowns. Damian Harris is a good, good running back, and when you yeah. pair him with Ramondre Stevenson, that's a pretty damn good combination. Yeah. It's just gonna be a question of is Mac Jones going to turn the ball over, and. You know, things aren't looking as great as they were. I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. There are growing pains. It's to be expected. This is a game that Josh Allen needs. This is a game that Sean McDermott needs. And you know what? Poetic justice. How about the Bills run the fucking ball down the Patriots' throat? I'm just saying. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. One o'clock. The Eagles go into Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Bucks. Not even close. Bucks are taking this one pretty handily. 430, the San Francisco 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys. 49ers are rooting for chaos. I'm taking the Niners too. I don't believe... I think that the 49ers are going to punch these guys in the mouth and give us the upset that we're hoping for. Your Sunday night delights. The Pittsburgh Steelers go into Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. Steelers, I think it's hard to beat a team two or three times. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely difficult to do that, but at the same time, I really think the Chiefs are going to take it home and send Ben riding off into the sunset. How about them Chiefs? And Monday, Monday night, Martin Luther King Day, 8.15 p.m., the Cardinals go into L.A., into SoFi, and take on the Rams. The Rams. This is going to be a tough one. I'm going to take the Cardinals and... I I think they're going to send the Rams home crying. Hope you're right. Me too. This has been the Fade Wrap with D and Z. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch our podcast Wednesday nights on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. If you want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up at Fade Route Podcast on IG, Fade Route Mail at gmail.com, or slide in our DMs at Twitter at Fade Route DNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. Get at us in crowd. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.